Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, May 30th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The Defense Department has goals to expand the number of contracts with smaller businesses, but it's not easy for those firms to break in. The systems in the military, the the policies and the technology itself is the most frustrating in the, the bureaucracy. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt will examine why the DOD wants to work with more small companies and some of the roadblocks standing in the way. The Archdiocese of St. Louis will shrink from 178 parishes to 134 under a reorganization plan officially unveiled over the weekend. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky says the 25% reduction is necessary as the church continues to lose members. The number of Catholics in the 11-county archdiocese is below 500,000 for the first time since the 1960s, and there are not enough baptisms to reverse the trend. I wish these changes were not necessary, but it is what we are called to do at this moment. Some parishes will no longer exist as individual communities of worship. Others will share a priest with neighboring parishes. The changes will start taking effect August 1st and be fully implemented by 2026. Those affected by the reorganization can appeal to the archbishop in writing. Those letters must be postmarked by June 12th. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. One of the changes involves St. John the Baptist in the city's Bevo Mill neighborhood. It will be taken over by a parish about a mile away. St. John the Baptist accepted new members in a reorganization about 20 years ago. Kathy Anger has belonged to the parish for 50 years. She says she feels bad for the families who joined in 2005. And now they're going to go through this again. And 20 years seems like a long time, but that really isn't when you're setting up new families and gathering together. So, Barring teacher or student shortages, Saturday's announcement will not affect Catholic schools in the 2023-24 academic year. Illinois lawmakers have approved a more than $50 billion budget. As Alex Dagman reports, they approved that spending plan over the holiday weekend. The budget spends more on education, public safety, and infrastructure development while also putting more money toward pensions and the state's so-called rainy day fund. It sends a bit more income tax money back to local communities and increases Medicaid reimbursements to hospitals. State Representative Jahan Gordon Booth is the House Democrats' lead budget negotiator. We're walking the walk. We're talking the talk. We're making fiscally sound decisions. We're making the appropriate investments that we should be making in communities from cradle to the grave. This year's budget debate was contentious and took more than a week longer than expected. Projected revenues began falling in the middle of the year and a program offering health care to undocumented immigrants cost more than expected. I'm Alex Dagman. Eight infrastructure projects in southwest Illinois recently received roughly $40 million in grants from the state. Rail yards, ports, and interstates will receive the funding, which is part of the 2023 Illinois Competitive Freight Program. Bi-State Development Executive Vice President Mary Lamy says the projects support St. Louis's manufacturing and logistics sectors. We have a very dense cluster of those industries. We have local companies, national companies, and global companies all operating in these areas. Investment of this infrastructure is gonna allow those companies to remain competitive. 
The Terminal Railroad Association of St. Louis is the biggest recipient. It received $15 million for expansion and improvements. The use of temporary migrant workers in agriculture continues to increase in the Midwest and Great Plains. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer has more on a new report showing how much a federal visa program is being used. Last year, farmers, ranchers, and corporations filed nearly 380,000 authorizations for workers in the H-2A program. A decade ago, it was about a third of that. The lender Farmer Mac, which wrote the new report, expects those visa authorizations to increase thanks to the tight labor market. Jeff Hepke is a fourth-generation horseradish farmer near Edwardsville. He started to use H-2A workers two years ago. We couldn't find anybody to come work for us, and they'd all found different jobs, and yeah, the job market has changed, at least for the employees we were looking for. Hepke also grows corn and soybeans, but says horseradish requires manual labor, something many employers are looking for. In Edwardsville, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. The term military contractor likely spurs thoughts of giant companies like Boeing or Raytheon. The Defense Department wants more small businesses in that mix. As St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports, that's easier said than done, even for companies interested in working with the DOD. Let's start off with why the Defense Department wants to work with more small businesses. Military leaders cast it as a national security threat and say without them, the DoD risks withering supply chains and losing out on innovation. Smaller companies have a key advantage compared to the bigger contractors the military has established relationships with. The biggest one is risk, right? They can take bigger risks. They can try different things. Colonel Martin Salinas is the chief operating officer at AFWorks, the Air Force's innovation arm. He says it's more likely that a small company will develop an entirely new solution for the challenges the military faces. With AFWorks, Salinas seeks those firms and works to bring them into the Air Force's fold through things like the Small Business Innovation Research Program. Right, so if we are funding that small American company, ideally our adversaries are not. Salinas says AFWorks manages more than a billion dollars a year in these kinds of contracts. But the process for companies who want to tap this pool of cash can be daunting and cumbersome. Patrick Hitchens is the CEO of Austin-based Fit Rankings and first approached the military in 2018 about them using his company's technology around tracking data from wearable fitness devices. He says his proposal was well-received, but that didn't make securing a contract any easier. The systems in the military, the, the policies and the technology itself is the most frustrating in the, the bureaucracy. <laughs> And that started right away. Hitchens says it took months to register his company with the government, and his first application was denied. He says it's gotten a lot easier since he first started, but there is still a challenge in overcoming how the military has traditionally handled working with outside proposals. So if you have a great idea and you want to work with a DOD, if they don't have a requirement for what you have, Typically, you could not work with the government. Companies can propose their own solutions to a problem the military hasn't explicitly identified. Hitchens says this so-called open topic route is the reason he was able to secure a military contract. 
For others going this route, it's not clear what the military looks for in these proposals. Ashish Patel is a principal at Drone Domo, also based in Austin, which provides storage and charging for drones that's autonomous. There's not much room for creativity to get the larger vision of the product across. And then you just don't know who's reading these applications on the other side. You're unsure of is this the right way to frame it? Patel says he's noticed how others who've won contracts have a stronger network within the branch they want to work with. It's true for Craig Brooks, the president of Apes Inc., which develops ways to determine how long fleets of aircraft will last. Inside a small shop in St. Louis, he points out the hydraulic press simulating the repeated stresses a part on a military plane endures. The, the de most damaging are the tension cycles. Before he started his company in the 1990s, Brooks spent decades consulting around the industry and has worked with some of the bigger military contractors like Boeing and McDonnell Douglas. A lot of our, I guess I would call it success, has come from the fact that, okay, hey, we know some of these people out there, or they've they, you know, over the years, they've seen or heard of our work. Still, Brooks says it's not easy because there's so much turnover among the military ranks. You having to reintroduce yourself every few years, you have to re-educate them. They are in a constant motion. In recent years, the number of small businesses winning contracts from the DOD has grown. Military leaders say it helps with leveraging all the country's assets to keep pace with its adversaries. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.